This is an ABC podcast. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Oh, welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. My name is Emma Race and spicy six-point finals are my jam. And as it happens, mascots are back are my safe words. We have a cracker of a show lined up for you today. The epic journey for the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos may be over, but Roos captain Emma Carney made us tear up when she took a knee pre-game. We speak to her today about her why. Collingwood's Irish superstar Ashling Sheridan, Adelaide's incredible Stevie Lee Thompson, hard-headed D's defender Libby Birch and the Brisbane boss of Lady Lions, Bree Brock, all join us to talk preparation time for the prelims. But you know I can't make this banner alone, so helping out with the crepe paper and the pithy messages, of course, are my football-loving sanctum siblings. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Shelley Ware. It's Kate Sear. And it's Rana Hussain. Oh, it's so nice to have you back, my lady loves, in the studio. We haven't seen Shelley or Kate in here for quite Mm. some time, but of course we dust you. Off for the prelims. <laughs> Crazy not to. Crazy not to. There were so many highlights in the last um, the last round of both the men's and the women's game. Kate, see, I'm going to come to you first. What was your highlight? Oh, so many to choose from. But I have to say that my highlight was the footy gods because I feel <laughs> like the footy gods really brought it this week. Um, there are at least three ways I think they they did. The first is that they punished Hawks fans who booed Isaac Smith. <laughs> At the Easter Monday game, three-time premiership uh, player for for Hawthorne, of course, uh, by ensuring a Geelong Cats win. The second thing they did was gave us another week to dream that Daisy Pierce might finally get to play in an mm. AFLW grand final and win by putting the Ds through over the much-fancied Frio. But I think the one that really stole my heart was that the footy gods put the ball in Zach Bailey's hands <laughs> when the siren sounded uh, in the Brisbane-Collingwood AFL-M game, giving him a chance to win the game after he should have had a chance to win the game one week earlier. It was absolutely delightful. And, of course, everything is better with Titanic music. So let's relive that moment now. It was the most epic Titanic. <laughs> I did actually tear up when loved I was watching it. that. We've seen it before, but gee, it was perfect with this one. What I loved about that is that post game, um, I was speaking to Chris Fagan, and he hadn't even done the maths on the fact that Bailey had been able to relive that moment. And it was when he saw the penny drop. It was it was pure footy gods, right? It was. It was. It was fantastic, and a, and a one point uh, win it was just super exciting. Ooh. I think I could hear everyone down my street screaming. I feel like people are jumping out of the bushes with long lens cameras watching every. 
every move that Daisy Pierce makes as well. Mm. The rumour mill is in overdrive. If you listen to the jungle drums about what's going on for her and her knee, and only time will tell. I don't think we will know until maybe not even when the team lists are announced. I feel like it's just going to be held very tightly, that little secret. Shelley Ware, what were your highlights, my darling girl? Well, in an incredible act of empathy and sportsmanship last Saturday, Sunday Swans' Dane Rempe took care of Richmond's Camden McIntosh after a clash between the pair. Now, Dane Rampey put his hand up as McIntosh was laying there and he was calling for help and it was just gorgeous. So he was knocked out and he stayed with him the whole entire time and the fact that when the medical staff arrived, he then embraced him after he had stood up and it was just gorgeous and I want to see more of that. It's beautiful. Do you remember the first time we saw at the AFLW Grand Final at the Adelaide Oval... We saw the Carlton girls. It was just mm. beautiful when we saw two, actually two crows both did their knees and we saw um, Carlton girls running up to the stretcher as, mm. and they were getting pretty well beaten. Yeah. You know? It just warms your heart. Like, and he just consoled him the whole time and gave him little pats and kept talking to him. It was just gorgeous. I loved it. It is one of my favourite parts of our game that they go hammer and tong during the game, but as soon as something like that happens or the game is over, they go and shake hands. And I think it's really beautiful that you don't often see in other sports. Yeah. I've wondered if I'd ever be able to do that because I'm quite a grudge holder. I can't get over <laughs> things within that split second. So I'd like to think yeah, I'd be that person. Yeah, with the footy, Emma. I've <laughs> <laughs> noticed. Yeah. Shelley, did you have another highlight? I do. It's a heartfelt thanks also to North's captain, Emma Carney, who took a knee during the national anthem. She joins us now to tell us why. Emma, thank you for joining us on the Outer Sanctum. No problem. Thanks for having me. Why? Why did you choose to take a knee on Saturday? Yeah, I suppose there's there's a number of reasons. One being the, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, there's still number of deaths in custody to our First Nations people. So for me to bring that conversation back into into the spotlight, I think was a, a big reason for me doing that. Um, also the fact that our government changed one word in, in the um, Australian National Anthem, thinking that it's going to be more inclusive to all people in Australia, which... You know, I probably disagree with, and but also, you know, the fact that um, I don't think our prime minister is setting a good example for women in the community to, um, you know, stand up for sexual assault and, and violence against women. So there was a number of reasons, but um, definitely support for our First Nations people and um, support for for women as well. Well, thank you. As an Aboriginal woman, it means the world to me. You know, we've had five Aboriginal deaths in custody in five weeks. The reasons vary. But, um, you know, we're 30 years out of the first Royal Commission and it feels like we need to go back. So thank you for drawing the attention back to that. It really meant the world. Yeah, no worries. I think it's it's definitely a, a conversation that needs to be kept bringing back. And I know I received a lot of um, a lot of positive comments, but I also received some not so positive ones ah. as well. And, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. But, um, yeah, I think, I think having those conversations again is really important. Hmm. Emma, it's Kate here. I'm really interested in the lead up to that decision and whether you let your teammates and people at the club into the decision that was coming and the fact that you were going to do that. Before the finals campaign, I knew any any time that the national anthem would come on, whether I'm participating in sport or not, I would never stand again until we can see some some change. And um, throughout the week, we got told sort of our schedule of what the finals um would look like and that we had um, a national anthem 
in the lead up to our game and um, I guess for me um, I, I didn't actually let anyone know I, I spoke to our um, PDM which is our personal development manager and I just said this is this is what I'm doing what do you think and she said yep it, that's great and and go for it so for me I you know th- this is what I believe it's it wasn't um, I'm, I'm sure that like the club would have had my backing and they they've supported me um, since I've done that but for me that was what I I believed I'm I'm a leader that doesn't doesn't also like to tell um, people what to do so I, I didn't actually let any of my teammates know so they didn't some of them weren't even aware that I did it until after the game so yeah for me that's sort of how I, I lead and that that's just my my belief and, and what I'll continue to do. Hey Emma it's Rana here speaking of leaderships so you obviously did that for yourself in allegiance to your own beliefs but is there something that you wanted people watching you do that to go away and then do themselves? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose for me, it's it's about starting the conversation, re-entering that conversation again. As Shelley, you mentioned, I mean, there's five deaths in in custody again to um, our First Nations people, and like, we, you know, we've had that royal commission. Mm. It's been 30 years, yet it's still happening. So, um, you know, I know we had that movement in in 2020, but since then. Um, the conversation is so, sort of slowed. So for, I guess for me, it's about um, highlighting that it's still an ongoing issue and things need to change. Um, and, and hopefully with more conversations, things can slowly change. But it's, I mean, it's just not good enough at the moment. Emma, it's Emma Race here. Um, I was so pleased to see you do this because it's obviously a leadership moment, but... Um, when First Nations people only make up 3% of our population but 27% of the prison population, obviously they're wildly overrepresented in incarceration. And I have noticed that stories like this uh, about black deaths in custody and also stories about women's oppression and um, marginalisation through the parliament and things like that, they get quashed a lot because it's not women who are um, holding the positions of power to amplify these messages. So you taking a knee is incredibly important. What I've noticed of you of late is that where there has been some rumours that you're quite noisy on the field, not that I would know that um, personally because I've never (laughs) played against you, (laughs) chirpy I think some would say, is that you've really found your voice off the field this season. You've been writing some opinion pieces and you've been vocal and I think it takes a lot of courage but what's been that shift? Uh, do you know what I, I think the pandemic uh, has really made that that shift I throughout the Black Lives Matter movement um, it gave me a lot of time to sort of reflect on my position um, as a as a footballer and and how I can use my voice to um, advocate for change and yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I educated myself quite a lot throughout that that period. I made sure that I was, you know, you know, it wasn't just putting a, a black square on my social media, but I was supporting 100% Aboriginal-owned businesses and giving to charities and making sure I stood up for other people that were experiencing um, discrimination. So I think for me, I just um, use that opportunity throughout that movement to, I guess, educate myself more and and make sure that I use my position of privilege to help try to educate others as well. Thank you, Emma Carney. It's Shelley again. I just wanted to say that self-education is the greatest gift that you can give our people. So thank you for taking that time to do that. And thank you also for taking the knee again. It really did mean the world. No problems. I'll, um, I'll continue to do that too. Yes.
Oh, so great to have Emma Carney. I think she was walking her dog. I, yes. could hear, I could hear her little footsteps going through some maybe some dewy grass and some birds in the background. Rana, what were your highlights from the last week of footy? Oh, look. I've got here in my notes women playing finals and <laughs> honestly that is my highlight. It was just such a joy to see these finals being played and now we're going into prelims and after last season I'm actually holding my breath a little bit as to will this actually happen? I really I know it will and we're gearing up to it but I've still got that bit of nervousness around oh, no. we're going to get there. So I'm just excited to see that you know see finals being played and Dee's playing finals is emotional. It's really emotional. When speaking about emotions, there was this beautiful moment that came out. The Collingwood North game in the AFLW was incredibly close and it was ebbing and flowing. Mm. We didn't know who was going to win it, which makes it a fantastic qualifying final, right? But at the end, Ashling Sheridan, who's one of the Irish recruits in um, Australia for her second season uh, for for the Pies, there was a beautiful photo of her calling her parents who'd been watching the game over in Ireland and that was my highlight and mm. I just loved it and I thought about how much that must mean to her family because they've been in lockdown since Christmas, I think, yeah. and so it must mean so much for them to be able to watch this and see this joy. It must also come with some pain for her and her family. So it was an absolute Pleasure to catch up with Ashling Sheridan. She, of course, flew across the globe during a global pandemic to face the quarantine time to be able to play for her pies in her second season. So we welcome Ashling Sheridan to the Outer Sanctum. Thank you. We loved seeing those scenes of your folks. Firstly, you there was a beautiful photo of you calling them after the game, but then footage came out of them watching the game from Ireland. How does it make you feel knowing that people across the other side of the world are watching every single kick and mark and, and all of your eight goals during the season? Um, it, it's quite special, I suppose. My family, you know, they're the best. No matter what time I have a game at, they will be up watching the game, whether it's at two in the morning, three in the morning. I think this one this weekend is at seven in the morning. So it probably works best that, you know, they don't have to get up in the middle of the night. But um you know, they're more they're more excited for the games I think than I am just with everything going on in Ireland at the moment. Um and you know, you know, not having work or not having anything really on. Um, you know, they've been really looking forward to the games. I think it just meant so much, I think, in that side of things, you know, that it, the, the game essentially means so much to them as much as it does to me. I did want to ask about that. Um, obviously, a six-point um, win in a final over North Melbourne is incredibly exciting, but you must feel quite split. During the season, you've probably kept an eye out on news from home, and it's a really tough time for people in the UK and Europe as well. How has your heart been able to ride all these bumps for your family and friends back home? Um, it has been quite difficult. Um, you know, my partner, he's at home and, you know, he's out of work as well. And then obviously my family too, you know, especially they've been locked down since Christmas Eve. And this is Ireland's third lockdown. So, you know, it is t- tough times. And, you know, we're coming out of the winter months, so the weather hasn't been great. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard. I see my friends and stuff at home, you know, I'm having a nice lifestyle out here you know things are quite normal here and then when you look at home it's not and you know the case numbers are still quite high so you know there has been times where I felt quite sad and nearly quite guilty because you know I'm out here enjoying myself doing what I love and they're at home and things are quite difficult but um you know they've always given me constant support and it has really helped me and nothing a good FaceTime can fix.
I've noticed that you have a lot of interaction with um, media, the media space back in Ireland, and they are watching and obviously you're giving them something to be pretty excited about during this hideous lockdown that they're enduring. How do you describe Collingwood? Obviously it holds a special place in Australian folklore, but how do you describe Collingwood as a club to people back home? Um, well, I suppose everyone always says with Collingwood, um, you either love them or you hate them. Um, so I've been told, um, and look, it's just from my own experience with Collingwood and the club itself, you know, they took me in with open arms um, to do anything to help me have that sense of home. Um, everyone in the club is so friendly and always looking out, especially for international players, you know. It is quite difficult us being away from home and we're not able to see our family with everything going on right now. Um, and I have only good things to say. Um, you know, they've really made me feel at home and feel as part of the team and the culture they have, I think, is quite amazing. And it's something that I like to try bring home to my teams at home and, you know, how you know, how things can be and, you know, what I see. And I just think, yeah, it's very united and as one. There wasn't a lot of finals talk about this team making these last few weeks of, of the season, but I feel like your group has been quietly confident and has really shone at the right time. We've heard the Tigers in the AFL-M attribute their success to real love and care for each other. How would you describe your team's connection? Yeah, I definitely think going into all our games, and especially at the start of the season, we were probably seen as underdogs and no one probably gave us a chance, but... We knew ourselves um, what we had as, have as a team and, you know, we, we back ourselves and, you know, once we believe in ourselves, that's really all that matters. Um, and I think it's quite evident, you know, we all trust each other. We definitely see each other as a team and not individuals. Um, we all have each other's backs and I think that has really grown in the last few years and I think it's quite evident this year and, um, you know, it's, it's only going to probably get better each year and look at, I suppose... I don't know, people didn't back us in, but we knew ourselves we have the potential. We got into the final series last year, so we knew um, we could try get there this year and maybe one step further if possible. Injuries are something that do really hamper the AFLW, and in a short season people don't get the opportunity to repair and necessarily get back in the season. I did see that you had been part of a study on the impact injuries have on mental focus of playing when you do come back after an injury. And I was thinking about um, this year at the start of the year, you will remember that um, Irish recruit Bridstack got severely injured in a, a tackle with Ebony Marinoff. And I was wondering how seeing someone else get injured and a country a country mate get injured. I wonder how that affected you being so far from home and, and you know, and being kind of cognizant of what the mental impact is. Yeah, you know, and I think that's one thing people always forget about is, you know, you may be physically ready to return to play, but are you psychologically ready? Um, that's a complete different story. And I think, you know, especially for Breed, she had such a severe injury, um, but... From seeing um, her interviews and articles since then, you know, she really um, has done everything she can to get back to where she was. And it just shows, um, I suppose, how strong she has been in handling the situation. Quite hard being so far away from home and something like that happening. But I suppose playing sports, there is a chance you're going to get injured. Um, and I suppose it comes part and parcel with it. Um, but to be fair to Breed, you know, she has really shown um, her motivation and determination to try get back and try and make some of the last um, rounds for Sydney. But um, yeah, no, I suppose it's, it's, I see it with my own teammates. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of psychological 
things that coincide with injury and I suppose it's just being aware and actually checking in with your teammates to see how I suppose they actually are doing, not just physical-wise. Checking in on people is always essential, but I think really important when you're so far away from home. So this week you're taking on the Lions in Brisbane. You lost to a tight one to them this um, season. How do you think you can make the difference? Um, I think we'll probably be better prepared this time around. We are travelling to Brisbane, so we will take that into account. And, you know, I think looking back on our last game against Brisbane, we made a lot of mistakes. We probably left it too late to fight back. And that was probably in the last quarter. So it's going to be a tough game. I think finals is like that, that it's it's quite competitive. So um, I think we look back on footage and see where we can improve and mistakes that can, you know, we can fix and then hopefully get the results we want. We love you being part of this competition and wish you all the very best of luck for the next two weeks and can't wait to see you back here for your third season next year as well. Best of luck. Thanks for joining us on the Outer Sanctum. Thank you so much. Thanks. We're just about to roll up our sleeves and melee, ladies, but I just wanted to remind you, coming up on the show, we have Stevie Lee Thompson from Adelaide, the hard-headed D's defender Libby Birch, and, of course, the Brisbane boss of Lady Lions, Bree Brock, all on The Outer Sanctum today. I'm Chelsea Roffey. You're listening to The Outer Sanctum. All right, let's roll up our sleeves and melee, ladies. There has been a lot of conversation about the AFLW Grand Final, about the plans, where it's going to be. Caroline Wilson has thrown a pigeon among the pigeons, um, (laughs) which she just loves to do. But I think that what's happening is we're hearing from the fans of AFLW that they want meatloaf and all the trappings, (laughs) right? They don't want an AFL grand final to be up against the AFL men's games. Can we have vegetarian meatloaf? Oh, if we have to have meatloaf. Oh, we don't want meatloaf at all. We want out. We want the Veronicas or some such Melissa thing. Melissa Etheridge. Yeah, we want Melissa Etheridge. Mm. But we want the works, right? We Absolutely. want the works burger, whether it's mm. vegan, vego or with meat. Have we had an update from AFL House, Em? Mm, well, we actually have. We did go to the AFL headquarters to ask them for comment and they told the Outer Sanctum that scheduling of the women's footy will be prioritised and we are waiting for an announcement, which we believe by the time this episode is published may have happened or maybe um, hot on the heels. of And and, it, and they're saying that they're going to prioritise women's football and that we'll be very happy with whatever the decision is that has been made. So, I mean, it's hard to call it because we don't yet know who's going to be in it. Of course, one of the key features of the AFLW is that it gets um, given to whoever, you know, qualifies first. Kate? Yeah, it's interesting. I was listening earlier to some um, discussion on Melbourne radio. Kate McCarthy, who plays for the Saints and and used to play for Brisbane, um, was was asked about this. And, and she said, look, it's 2021. It's what women deserve to be in the spotlight and that it's a showcase event. You want as many footy fans tuning in as possible. And so it should be a standalone game. One thing that was really interesting, though, hearing her talk about that is that she said that in the first season of AFLW, when Brisbane made the final, um, she said, we weren't sure what to expect. You know, will we get a grand final parade? What other events will be happening around the game? And then... As it turned out, there was nothing. Mm. And she said, oh, you know, we were sort of amongst ourselves thought, oh, right, well, we don't, you know, we don't get anything. Like it's sort of not valued in any way. And and I think that's a really interesting and important discussion too, quite separate from where what the time slot will be for the game and whether it gets a standalone uh, slot. Will there be other activities around 
uh, the final. I know COVID's an issue, but it would be great to see it properly celebrated. You remember that we had the Lord Mayor Sally Cap on the Outer Sanctum, mm. um, n- not last season, but the one before, I think it was, and we were asking her about, you know, a grand final parade and trying to promote the women's grand final and the teams and the players in the same way that the men get. And she was bang up for it and she was saying we will support that. But, of course, COVID hit mm. and now we're in this new world order and, and, and it makes things challenging. It's hard to know what to push for and what to advocate for, Rana. And yes, the grand final moves around in the AFLW, but there is stuff that you can plan for ahead of time. It does take foresight and that's the part that really irks me. It doesn't feel like there has been that foresight. And for me in this space, what I think about is when you already feel a bit marginalised or on the outer, what you actually need is a lot of communication and a lot of information. In fact, the AFL should be over-communicating with us about what their plans are. We will accept there are moving parts. We will accept that not everything can be locked in, but we want to hear that there are ideas, that there are plans put in place, and we want to have as much information as possible. And I understand that that can make them feel a little bit vulnerable because things change, but I think we would accept that. Yeah, and I think that um, what I would urge people to hear this as is excitement and passion for the brand, excitement and passion for the code. It's not us being critical. It's us saying we want to invest in this. We want to be able to buy all the merch. We want to turn up and show our support in droves. Um, I mean, people haven't not been turning up because there's now a ticket price. That hasn't changed that situation at all. And, you know, I think you're right, Rana, that we have been asking for a 10 year plan and what that looks like in the AFLW and we've yet to see it and I would assume that COVID may have thrown some spanners in the works and you'll remember during the CBA discussions there was also mooted agenda audit which was um, asked of by the players, the quartet of power may have pushed for that and we haven't yet seen that, I'm not entirely sure where that's at. We have put in a request for Nicole Livingston, we hope she'll come on the show and we'll be able to ask her those questions directly but one person at the absolute like coalface of this this week would be Bree Brock from the Brisbane Lions, Shelley, because because, you know, she's got guests coming. She has guests coming <laughs> and they have plans. It is a pleasure to have Brisbane's AFLW CEO, 2018 Football Woman of the Year and all-round legend who champions the role of women in football. Welcome, Bree Brock. Thanks, Shelley. Thanks for the introduction and thanks for having me. <laughs> How about your Lions? Oh, um, amazing. What we've sort of um, been through in the last month, I guess, is... Uh, credit to the girls on how strong they've been to get through it all and we're really looking forward to Saturday. What has been a season highlight as a CEO for you? For me it's just been watching this this group of girls week after week face some pretty tough challenges at times and some pretty quick shifts in gears and mindset and all those sorts of things and they've sort of just put a smile on their face and said yep no worries we can do that and just got on with the job and, and performed wonderfully. So that's, that's been a, a super positive out of this year. They've been quite resilient, haven't they? Yeah. You know, every week there seems to be some sort of little crisis or drama bubbling away with all the COVID stuff and fixture changes and those sorts of things. So to just, you know, literally have not had one person complain about it is just amazing. It's been a heck of a ride, but it's been super fun. Now, you certainly have had it hard this year. In round seven, you had 12 hours to relocate from Queensland to Victoria. Run us through those logistics. Yes, we thought something might be bubbling away when we heard um, that, that Collingwood had postponed their flight. But they're supposed to come on the Friday or Saturday, whatever, whichever one it was, and they didn't get on the flight. Oh. And so we had um, 
captain's run that morning and was sort of like, well, you know, it's okay, it won't affect us, it'll affect them, you know, we'll just continue on. And then about two o'clock got a, on a Zoom call with the AFL and they were very, um, not blunt, but brief, you've got to get going and you've got to do this and this time's your flight and away you go. Guess so, you had to pack, Bree. <laughs> well, everything was already unpacked, ready for the game the next day. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, how do I do this? What actually has to be done here to make this happen? I mean, some of the girls even didn't see the messages that were going around. We kind of had a phone tree happening. Um, mm-hmm. So some of them, you know, it wasn't until 7, 8 o'clock at night that they knew they weren't playing at home the next day. Then wow. to get everybody to the airport, we couldn't get all the staff to come because of family reasons, all, all sorts of things. And then um, we were sort of on the 6 o'clock flight, me and a, and a group of staff, and we, we couldn't even get, like, a property van at such short notice because by the time we were kind of booking things, all the places were kind of shut. Oh, so you should have called me. I would have given you ah, a van, a bit of a lift. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we ended up getting a 52-seat coach because that was the quickest thing that we could book to come out to the freight thing and pick up all of our property and stuff as well as another separate bus for the players who came later. It was just hilarious. But it all all worked out and, you know, we sort of turned, turned lemon into lemonade and, and, you know, the girls walked in and were just like, oh, wow, how cool is this? This is great. Yeah, this, this will do, yeah. Well, you did well. You ended up beating the Pies by three points, so it all worked out. So if all goes well and you win the right for the grand final next week, what do you think, a double header at the Gabba or would you rather a standalone spot for the grand final? I think any grand final deserves, deserves its own standalone time slot and event. We've done this before when in the first grand final um, of AFLW, the women's team, you know, wouldn't play at the double. We had to go and play at Metricon and, and the men played after us. And it was it was just a bit of a, not a debacle, but they had to clean the stadium. There was two hours between the games, you know, so people all came to the grand final and then left. There was hardly anybody at, at the men's game. So it's not, it doesn't serve the same purpose, I don't think so. I, I think the AFL know that the the example of the Adelaide Crows and Carlton Grand Final when it was standalone, you know, a great stadium to play in and 53,000 people came. I think that's the indicator for the best example of how we can run a women's grand final. Couldn't agree more. It's been wonderful talking to you, Bree Brock. Good luck this week for your team and hopefully you make it into the grand final. Thanks a lot, Shelley. Appreciate everything that you guys do for women's footy, by the way. You're an amazing group of women and um, everybody really, really appreciates what you bring. And you too. See you, darling. Hey, Katie, what caught your attention this week? Well, there was a, a really interesting story, a couple of stories actually that came out this week about gender and, believe it or not, Wikipedia. And there were some really interesting takeaways that made me start thinking about the way we uh, value women and the way we record women's achievements through history. So um, a couple of articles which will pop on our social media. The, the essential takeaways from those articles were, first of all, that 87% of people who go on to Wikipedia and edit or add content, which, of course, anyone can do, uh, are men. 
and that there are four biographies of men on Wikipedia for every one biography for a woman. Now, the way it works, if you don't know too much about how Wikipedia works, is that, as I said, anyone can edit or add content, um, draft an entry for Wikipedia, but also anyone can recommend changes or recommend uh, an, an entry for deletion if they think uh, that it shouldn't be on there for some reason. And then a group of editors decide how to adjudicate and whether that content should be added. When deciding whether or not to add uh, a particular figure, a historical figure, for example, there is a test that Wikipedia has, a, a test of what they call notability when deciding basically if someone is worthy of an entry. And you can go on to the Wikipedia page and read all about that policy. It's actually quite a, a sort of detailed set When you go guidelines. onto Wikipedia to Wikipedia that, that's like how, do you know that the Dewey <laughs> Decimal System, Dewey made that zero zero zero. Because he made himself the first topic in the Dewey Decimal System. Clever. I know, right? That's they, how you promote yourself. It's like yourself. AAA gardening. It's triple it's <laughs> AAA <A-R-Dark> gardening, exactly. <laughs> um, but the point is that through this process, what happens evidently basically is that men are overwhelmingly editing and adding content and, and challenging content. They're overwhelmingly adding men's biographies to Wikipedia and women's achievements apparently aren't deemed all that noteworthy. And so... It was really interesting to me to read that there is a growing movement uh, of of people, particularly women, who are trying to redress that and add women back into Wikipedia and women's achievements. And this might sound like a kind of minor issue in the scheme of things, but I think it's really important because whether we like it or not, Wikipedia is a go-to resource for people. Um, it's easily accessible. It's how you, you know, if I hear the name of someone that I haven't heard before, I often go onto Wikipedia to see who they are and learn, a, a, read a little bit about them. It's, it is, rightly or wrongly, how people learn about history now. And if women aren't on there, we don't, they're not visible. We don't get to hear their stories. We don't know that they exist and we don't know what they did. And I think that's really important. It's really interesting because I've heard someone recently say, you know, there's been a push for uh, statues of women to, you know, mm. to to basically get a balance, right? And statues is one thing. And statues are great if, or whatever, if you get a statue. If, if someone in this room got a statue, I'd be thrilled, right? <laughs> but it's a very long process and I think... This is something we can actually actively do. I don't think women spruik their own wares very well, and I think that's probably why. And I have a picture in my mind of the kinds of men's who are updating Wikipedia pages, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not on their radar, right? Well, Rana? I want a task force for this now of just <laughs> going back and adding all the women we've forgotten about. It's really important. It actually reminds me of um, the movie The Lucas Girls, A Match to Remember, which is a story about the first game mm. of women's footy that was played in Victoria in Ballarat in 1918. Stories like that, we need to hear, we need to know that women were playing footy way back when. I think that's a good point. And the other, it reminds me as well of the Instagram account Women of Sport, which has been uh, started by Lee Russell, who was the former um head of Swimming Australia and she's profiling Australian women who work in sport. I'm like, we need to just write a program that puts that information straight into Wikipedia, right? Absolutely. And as you say, Rana, when those histories aren't told and aren't recorded on Wikipedia, people don't know them. So history doesn't just happen. History also has to be recorded and and shared in order for us to understand our past. I actually did go down a rabbit hole on Wikipedia and, (laughs) and searched for heaps of important women in the history of footy to see who was on Wikipedia and who wasn't. And and talking about the task force, I want to (laughs) empower and encourage our listeners if they're 
if they're adept at Wikipedia and feel confident to do so, to 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 maybe go on and draft some entries for some of these women. Let me just run through for you some of the important women in the history of our game who are not on there. Shiloh Curtis, who we've had on this program many times and who's played a huge role in the history of the development of women's footy in Australia. Nicole Graves, similarly. Mm. Lisa Catto, similarly. Uh, Lisa Hardiman and Barb Hansen, who (gasps) the Hansen-Hardiman Cup is named after. They are not on Wikipedia. The cup is mentioned, but those women aren't. Mm. So we don't, people don't know who they are. They might tune into the footy and hear about the Hampson-Hardiman Cup, but they don't know who, why those women uh, have been recognised in that way. Um, Paddy Kinnersley, who we've had on this podcast oh. before, a stalwart of women's footy, also nowadays the CEO of Our Watch, which is the national organisation uh, to end violence against women and their children. Our Watch isn't even on there, believe it or not. It does not have a Wikipedia <laughs> entry. Um, let me just mention a couple of others. Helen Lambert, who the VFLW Best and Fairest is named after, jointly now with Daisy Pierce. She's not on there. But there is an entry for JJ Liston, who the VFL Men's Best and Fairest is named yes. after. Mm-hmm. Women from the, the 1918 uh, game that you mentioned, women who played in the 1930s aren't on there. I've talked before on this podcast about three women who made a huge impact on the history of footy uh, in Australia. That is Penny Cullerade, uh, Emily Stanier and Helen Taylor, who as young girls took uh, took the organisation to VCAT and challenged the rule that prevented young girls from playing footy. Penny is on there, but Emily and Helen aren't. And they won a major human rights case in Australia yeah. that forced women to play. And also, finally, Football Women of the Year, such as Bree Brock, and our very own Shelley Ware. Here's a test. Is the 2012 Australian Sportswoman of the Year on there? Uh, yes, she is, Em, and I'll just read the start of her entry for you. Mackaybe Diva, fold on the 21st of March 1999, <laughs> is a British-bred, Australian-trained oh, thoroughbred racehorse. I've got Wikipedia <laughs> content rage flowing through yes. my veins. Okay, mm. this is actually a task that we keep getting tagged in. There's a, a whole bunch of guys who are doing some amazing work on the stats of AFLW footy, Oliver Gigetz, and there's a few others. Um, this is a job for you. If you know, show us your love. If you really, if you really love AFLW, you're great at content. You're pumping it out. You know what? This is a job for you, fellas. We would love to love see it. you dig in here and um, and rewrite the scales if you wouldn't mind, and we can help you out where you've got some gaps of knowledge. I think that that's a very important thing that you've shone a light on, Wiki Kate, WikiLeaks <laughs> Kate. Yes, Kate. That's me. <laughs> I'm Chelsea Randall, and you're listening to the Outer Sanctum. At 2.10 this Saturday, the Adelaide Oval is going to host a prelim. I love that ground. I love what it means to women's footy. I cannot wait to see it. There's one player, Kate, that you think, (laughs) in the words of Bruce McAvaney, is delicious. (laughs) She is, and she's had such an impact on the game in the last couple of years. It was a pleasure to catch up with Stevie Lee Thompson a little earlier this morning. Thanks for having me, guys. How's the mood over in Adelaide? Yeah, it's good. It's exciting. Uh, it's great to play another prelim here at Adelaide Oval as well. So yeah, a bit excited, a bit nervous, but yeah, those are all. That's what all it all comes down to when you're playing footy. Absolutely. I feel like Adelaide really flew under the radar in the first few weeks of the competition and has gained some momentum now. And I wonder if part of the reason you flew under the radar is because you had a lot of major, you know, huge wins against 
uh, less um, less successful sides, but you did stumble against both Melbourne and Fremantle. And of course, you come up against Melbourne this week. What did you learn from your loss to them in round seven? I suppose that um, any team that you lose against, you you build you build a lot of learnings and to take takes from playing and a good side like Melbourne. So it's just going out there and playing um, our game and we can't really change that. And I suppose that's what happened when we played against Melbourne um, last time. So it's an exciting challenge and we are all looking forward to it. I want to ask you about your own game, Stevie Lee, because when you first played for Adelaide, and in fact early in your career, you played down back. And then when Matthew Clark came in and became the coach of Adelaide, he saw something in you and threw you forward. Um, what was it like when he first suggested to you? What was your reaction when he suggested that you might be a forward after all? Well, I didn't really... I just kind of, like, went with it. Um, I All I knew was being in the back line and I didn't really know anything different, especially not having to play, like, understand footy. I've only just come to, to understand what positions are what. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it was just... It was an exciting challenge and it, it was something different that I've never experienced before and I'm... And it doesn't matter if I'm playing in the forward or the back line or wherever I am, as long as I'm on the field with the girls and helping out wherever I can, then that's yeah, that's my main goal. Do you have a preference playing forward no. or back? <laughs> no, I don't. It's, it's a challenge. It's, it's hard no matter what position you're in because one, you've got to kick the goals and the other one, you've got to stop them. So no matter where or what position you are, it's a challenge in itself. You mentioned that you didn't really know what, you know, playing forward entailed. Um, some of our listeners might not know why you say that, Stevie Lee, and it's because you came to footy quite late. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, I, I was, um, my background is rugby league and rugby union. My parents are rugby union fanatics, so never really had AFL in, like, in my vision. I played touch football because obviously at the age of 12, you can't play rugby anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, being a girl and then moved to touch football, played touch football and then moved to Darwin and I ended up playing a rugby league season up there. And one of my mates was like, you've got to come try AFL. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't really know anything about it. They're like, you'll be good at it. I'm like, okay. So I just thought just for fun of it, join with the girls. And yeah, my first like kind of run on, I ankle tapped someone. So obviously you can't trip. <laughs> And I was like, what's going on? So, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, it's made a massive part of, of my life today. And I'm, I'm very grateful that my mates told me to, to go and try it. And, yeah, look where I am now, so I'm happy. <laughs> there was a point in which you were sort of tossing up whether to stick with AFL or, or rugby. Why did you pick AFL? What, what was it about this game that you loved? Um, my coach, Andrew Hodges, um, he just seen a lot in me to, to give it a crack and I played a season of, well, I got picked up for the NT Thunder um, up in Darwin and like I was, it was either way up to have fun with my mates or I can play an elite sport and I was like, all right, well, speaking to my partner, she was like, you know what, if you do get the opportunity, take that opportunity rather than playing um, casual footy around and kicking the footy, like kicking the ball and tackling in rugby league as an option and I, yeah, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, it's amazing. We're so glad you made that that <laughs> choice as well. Um, yeah. Tell us, what's the game plan? What can you tell us about Adelaide's preparation going into this weekend? Um, not really any game plan. We're just kind of like going there to play and challenge ourselves better than what we did last time. Um, we want, obviously, we, we both both teams want to win and we just need to play how we play and, and enjoy it as well. Like, 
not take everything so so to heart, but yeah, have fun. Will you have family there, Stevie Lee? Because I know you have a massive family. I, I think yeah. you have eight siblings, including a twin. Am I right? I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, my, my brothers and sisters are all in Brisbane and one of my older brothers in Sydney. So they're not coming this weekend, but I've got like a family extended uh, brother. He's here today. He, he flew in today, so he'll come watch and his partner and his son. Fantastic. Have you converted them to AFL? Yeah, everyone's converted to AFL. My mum still doesn't really understand as much, but she's she's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I know. I guess she knows one of the rules, though, which is that you can't ankle tap. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, the coveted prize for everybody is to win the AFL Premiership, um, also to win the W Award for the Best and Fairest Player. But I, I wonder if you've just got something that tops all of those things, and that is that recently you had an AFL mini legend uh, <laughs> made in your in your image, in your image. Tell us about that and how that process worked. Well, it's um, it's an experience. I got to meet the young girl when I when we played Melbourne, um, and just to see her face was just unbreakable. She just wanted to hang out with me all day, and obviously COVID rules can't really do much. Having that experience and being one of the ones that actually get a mini legend is, yeah, it's amazing. Didn't think that would happen for me. <laughs> well, it's richly deserved and she looks amazing too. So I'm um, really excited for you and m- very excited for this Saturday's game, Stevie Lee. Thank you so much for joining us on the Outer Sanctum and very best of luck for the preliminary final against Melbourne on the weekend. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, Stevie Lee Thompson is a superstar, but you know, last time these two teams met, the D's and the Crows, the D's absolutely took them to town. Yeah, it's twenty-eight point margin, I think, in the end. And um, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of D's uh, friends who are fe- feeling pretty confident, even though they're going over to Adelaide. Uh, they're feeling pretty confident about the D's chances. Rana, you're a D. At heart, <laughs> I'm a D-ish. I'm confused, let's yes, face true, it. true, true. <laughs> You've got a foot in multiple camps. I do, I know. I need to sort that out quick, smart, I think. D's travel really well. So I actually feel like I should be backing them in. I think they've got the momentum. Ooh. They're really hardened after a tough back half of the fixture. So I reckon they might be up here. One thing that's really interesting to me too is that Adelaide, of course, have had a week off and in a really short season with short preparation, I am keen to see what impact, if any, that has. In the men's, that's often thought to be a real advantage coming into the prelims after a long season just to have that short break. But for the women's footy, I'm not sure that it will work in quite the same way. No, I don't like that break in momentum. But this will actually be talking about how they travel. This will be their first time to be able to play Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. So it's going to be huge for them. Adelaide, they are big home game players and that Adelaide crowd get behind them. So I don't like your chances, Rana. You know, one thing that you don't want to face in a prelim, I reckon, is defender Libby Birch because she gets a game face on like no other and she's Mm -hmm. loving being a D. And Rana, you had the good pleasure of catching up with her earlier. I did indeed, Emma. The Dees have had an incredible run into finals and now they storm into a prelim against Adelaide. I chatted with Demon defender Libby Birch to talk all about it. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum, Libby. Thanks for having me. How are you feeling ahead of this weekend? Yeah, really, really excited. It's something that we've been aiming for since the start of pre-season. We want to be in finals. We want to be playing well in finals and you know, to be in a prelim, it doesn't come around very often and we're just really excited to have the momentum we do coming into this game, but also to be able to play at Adelaide Oval, which is going to be 
an incredible experience and I know a lot of the Adelaide supporters um, love that ground and I think it's just going to be great for women's footy on the weekend. You are travelling this weekend. What's a game day like for the team? Is the excitement too much being around each other or can you kind of keep a lid on it? Well, we've had a really, uh, I guess, a great home and away season in that we've had a lot of travel experience together. So um, we're really experienced going into this final, which is away, obviously, in Adelaide. So we just make sure that we're doing sort of the same sort of thing that we do at home. Obviously, we don't stay with each other when we're at home, but, um, yeah, we make sure that we keep to each other's spaces. But if you do want to chat and have a coffee, you can go and do that. But, yeah, we try and keep it as normal as possible. I want to rewind back to last weekend. It was big news when we all realised that Daisy Pearce wouldn't be playing in this final. What was the conversation like amongst the team heading into that game? Yeah, it, it was obviously really upsetting not to have Daisy in the final last week, but we also knew that we're, we're, we're developing a culture that's more than one player and Daisy was going to play a pivotal role whether she was on the field or she was on the bench talking to us when we came off for rotation. So, yeah, we wanted to make sure that we were we were still keeping the dream alive for Daisy because <laughs> if we had a loss last week, you know, the dream dream wasn't there for Daisy to to possibly play in the, in the next couple of finals. So that was really important for us. But it was important just to make sure we played our brand of footy and we knew that Days would be proud of us if we did that. How is she looking? Yeah, she's um, she's going really well. Uh, she's doing her rehab, you know, doing some running and things like that. I think everyone's really excited about the possibility of, of Days playing over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just exciting. I think she's up for the fight and that's, I guess the best part about days is she's keen to keen to play if she can. Well, you've proven that you can do it without her regardless. You also had a really tough fixture in the back half of the season. Did that help set you up for finals in some way? Yeah, we absolutely did. So we knew that after our loss to Collingwood, we knew we had a, a quite a tough next couple of rounds. Uh, so we had St Kilda. We had Adelaide, Brisbane, Fremantle, and we we knew that was going to be tough, but we knew if we could beat those teams, it would set us up really well for finals. And um, we know that if we're playing our best footy, we can beat anyone. So I think that that's a massive positive to come out of what was a really tough couple of weeks. Plus, it's almost like we've been playing finals footy for the last five weeks. So nothing really changed for us, which is great. Oh, you're made of steel by now, absolutely. <laughs> I can't talk to you without asking you about your back line. Lots of changes. You lost Harriet mm. Cordner, but yeah. you've also had some positional changes in that back half of the season. Can you tell us a little bit about all of that? Yeah, so um, the back line is very, very different to what it was last year. So, um, yeah, we've had heaps of changes. Uh, we've had a few injuries as well. Obviously, Daisy Pierce has gone up forward. We lost her, Goldie, who's been amazing for us. She um, did her hamstring over in Perth, so we've lost her as well. Uh, but we've gained, we Meg, we lost Meg Downey, who's a really experienced defender in the preseason game, but she's, she's been back for two weeks now, which has been awesome. But I think, you know, our back line, it's not our, it's not a, a team of, of big names, but it's a, it's a, it's an incredible, well-working unit. And we've had to work really hard to, to get that functioning the way it is but yeah I'm so proud to be a part of the backline group you know we've got Shelley Heath who's playing her role so well tagging we've had Lauren McGee who is arguably you know her <laughs> not very 
many games, but she's been <laughs> absolutely terrific for us. You know, Irish recruits, absolutely amazing, hunger and, and fierceness. And Gabby Colvin, you know, we're all just doing our bit. And I think that's what's put us in a really good position come finals. We know no one has to be a hero, but if we can work together, you know, it's that old cliche of, you know, the, the teams that are working together can get that job done. Well, you are playing finals, but at the beginning of the season, some people thought that you might stagnate with lots of list changes. Is there some satisfaction now with being able to prove the naysayers wrong? <laughs> yeah, well, we, there was a lot of uh, sceptics at the start of the season that we lost a few, that we didn't recruit well. And, uh, you know, there was just a lot of external noise. And so we always had belief in ourselves and we always had belief in our you know, recruitment manager Todd Todd Patterson and our coach McSneer that you know they had they had built this team for a, a finals side and we we knew that and so we kind of blocked that external noise out. But it's always nice to get one up on those people <laughs> at the end of the season when you're playing finals. But yeah, we're not done yet. We've got um, obviously two more games to go that we want to be a part of. Well, I do hope you do make it to that final dance, as they say. If you do, tell me who don't you want to be facing off on that day. I think we all prefer to be playing Collingwood. <laughs> Not for just the Melbourne spectacle of like having two Victorian teams, which would be pretty cool. But I think Brisbane, they're a really dangerous side because they're so even across the ground. Well, I think you just lit a fire under Collingwood there. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, Libby, and good luck for the weekend. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Libby Birch is becoming quite the media performer. She's had a cracking year in the commentary box and also on the field. Who do you like out of Adelaide? Do I even ask you, Ran? I'm not going to ask you. You're going to go for the D's for sure. And and mm-hmm. you're going to go for the Crows, aren't you, Katie? I am, yes. So, Shelley, where it's all up to you. Who Adelaide. wins it? Okay. Well, you're an Adelaide girl. <laughs> I of think course. you're the decider, Emma. Of course I'm going to go for Adelaide. Oh, I think Adelaide are amazing at home and I think that the week off will actually serve them. I think they're pretty strong of mind. So the Lions then take on the Pies at 10 past four at the Gabba. Oh, I feel like the Lions are going to get this one too. They have been so solid all season and that Pies game against North would have been incredibly taxing. Am I right or am I wrong, Rana Hussein? I think you're absolutely right, Emma. Mm, Okay. What do you think, Kate? Yeah, I think, look, I think the pies were extremely impressive and people like Chloe Malloy are just in terrific form. She kicked goal of the year for about the 10th time yeah. <laughs> uh, last week. But, yeah, I think Brisbane at home, I do. I okay. think Brisbane. What about you, Shell? I think Brisbane and because I think Adelaide are going to win, that means it's going to be an Adelaide grand final. Does that make you very excited? Very excited. Very excited. All right. Well, thank you for being with us for this absolutely bumper edition of the Outer Sanctum. And I have to just dip my teeny tiny little top hat to our producer, Nadia Hume, who is just working around the clock to make sure that we've got the best guests and that we're bringing you the best content for the AFLW because it's what it deserves. Meatloaf and all the trimmings, I say. (laughs) (laughs) We've got no final business. It's time for us to get out of here. But there's only one thing left to say, ladies, and that is... Go Go footy!